0: Thank you for standing. I just had a hard time sitting with <laughs> else? when they we were sitting there. Before you put out, pull out your connection card, I just want to remind all of you that Tuesday there is a funeral for Mel Shiki here at 11 a.m., and um, we do need some help. So if you're able to help with being a receptionist or flow registrar or uh, we need one more usher, please come and talk to me after service. But also there's a viewing for Mel uh, on Monday between 5 and 8.30, uh, Monday at Rose Hills. So keep that in mind for those who know Mel and the family. I'd like to invite you to pull out your connection card. It's a white and blue card in here. And it's uh, just a time for you to uh, fill out as much as you like. If you have something you'd like to share with us or, or any way we can help you, turn it over on the back. And and after you're done, you can just leave it on your pew. But while you're doing that, let me just highlight a few things for you. One thing is that uh, some of you parents know that today there's a family time uh, after service, and it's a very important family time, as I understand. Uh, They're going to go over the calendar for coming months. So if you can possibly make that uh, family time and they have lunch for you there, uh, I I think you'd be rewarded for that. Let's see. um, There are other things coming up. We have the sewing of pillowcases for the children coming up Saturday, Uh, and next Sunday is a special Sunday. We haven't had one in a long time. But next Sunday is a child dedication. That is so much fun. See these little kids up here. So uh, that's next Sunday during service. And uh, there are other things coming up that you can read on your on your program. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open up to the book of Ephesians. We're going to continue. Look at chapter 1. We're going to just read a few verses. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 15 to 17. Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 17. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Father, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Let's pray. Father, as we continue in our study of the book of Revelations, we hear the rain falling. We are reminded of your blessings in our life. Uh, Father, we ask that, That the Holy Spirit will teach us the lesson that we are to learn today, and that might be different for each one of us. So, Father, just help us to open our minds, open our hearts to receive from You, and may we learn more about You and love You more today because of our time here this morning, in Jesus' name, Amen. Um, You know, I, I think about people you grew up with. I grew up with a guy, and one of this guy named Jimmy, and Jimmy was a real rowdy kid. Did a lot of crazy stuff. He used to do. You ever meet a guy or know someone that after he did something really crazy, he laughs about it? You know, Jimmy used to do something really crazy and even destructive, and would laugh about it. Okay, and uh, he he grew up. I after high school, we just didn't see each other, and then I saw him years later as an adult. And uh, I was a fairly new Christian, and 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 he came to me and he said, "Hey, hey Rick, I uh, I I I." accepted Christ into my life a while back. And I said, oh, wow, great, Jimmy. And he says, hey, I want you to do a favor for me. And uh, I shared this maybe years ago, but uh, Jimmy, one of the crazy things he did when he was younger, he he accidentally started a fire. And it destroyed a uh, a storage house. And uh, not the outside, but all the things inside. And he never confessed to it. He just figured he got away with it. Uh, but now as a Christian, the Lord just put it on his heart that he has to come clean on all these things. So he said, hey, Rick, I want you to go to the owners of this property because I knew, I knew the guys who own the place. I want you to go and I want you to represent me. And, and so I said, okay. So I knew that they were having a board meeting coming up, and so I went. I asked if I could go speak before the board, and I went there and I shared that this guy it was great. I, was, I had an opportunity to share about Jesus Christ. I said, hey, this guy when he was in when he, when he was in high school, he uh, started this fire in your property, and you guys probably remember it destroyed this the storage room, and you guys probably lost all these things and. And so I shared this, and he wants to confess, and he wants to pay uh, to any monetary um, cost that you decide uh, and pay you back for the loss. And these guys are kind of dumbfounded. It was kind of neat. They just kind of looked at each other, and they they just said to me, you know what? You just tell this kid that uh, it's okay. Tell him it's okay. I said, all right. I went back, you know, and then Jimmy says, well, that's one, and he had this whole, he showed me this whole list. He had this whole list of things, everything from shoplifting to, 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 to letting the air out of people's tires and, and all these different things, and, he, just had, and he, he was just going down this list, and I thought, man, that is an incredible example of a changed life, of how Jesus Christ can, can motivate us to do things that we would never do if we didn't have Christ. So let's look at this. When we look at, at what Paul is talking about here to the, to the Ephesians, realize that Paul was their pastor for three years. So he knows these people. So when you read the letter, this, this letter to the, to the Ephesians, this church in Ephesus, always remember that Paul had an intention to encourage them, but he also had the purposeful intention in teaching them. So let's go back to Ephesians 1, verse 15. And let's just read verse 15 here. And it's going to talk about our testimony of faith. I'll read verse 15 and 16. Paul wrote, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. You know, he starts off by saying, For this reason. You know, when you read something like that, you have to always look above that. And, and if we read above that in the verses, uh, like between verses 11 and, and verses 14, Paul talks about all the incredible blessings that believers have in Christ. All these incredible blessings, everything from from, from you were included in Christ, that you heard the word of truth, that, that having believed you were marked by the Holy Spirit, all these different things of the spiritual thing that happened in every believer. And it's not on the outside, it's on the inside. And Paul is saying, because you received all these blessings, you know, you, 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 you know I, I, I thank God for you. He says, for this reason, for the way that you have just received these things. See, we take that for granted, but never do that. Because we know there's so many people in this world that hear a lot of the same stuff you've heard, a lot of the same stuff I've heard, but they haven't received it. But Paul knows that they received it, and he, he goes on later on, he knows why they received it, because they're showing it in their lives. You know, the thing that's amazing about Christianity, it's so different and weird. You know, some of you are second generation, third generation, maybe even fourth generation Christians. You know, when I think of, of generational Christians just recently, you know, I, I, I think of Pastor Corey and, and, and Chelsea here. Uh, you ever meet their parents? Pastor Corey, I remember when I first met Pastor Corey's uh, uh, father, John, very first time. You just look at him, he looks like some guy who's, who you can build a country with, you know? And, and then you shake his hand, and it's got of good, firm shake. And he calls it "Go, John." You know? He just really lays in there that good old handshake, and then he just looked me right in the eyes. That's the very first time I'm meeting him. Looks me right in the eyes. What's your church believe? <sighs> okay, uh, all right. Uh, this church isn't a conference. You guys in the um, what? What's your con- conference believe? Okay. Uh, what, what do you believe? he's just firing away boom boom all really great questions questions that if you weren't a mature solid christian with knowledge of god's word you wouldn't come close to asking those questions but he just fired away on me like that i loved it i said that man this guy knows his stuff and that gave that gave that real credibility to pastor cory Cause I know that he's been hearing this stuff all his life. And I'm saying, yeah, that's the stuff that he's been hearing and just been trained in. And Chelsea's the same way. Well, you ever meet Chelsea's dad? Dave, not only was he a great football player, but guys a great believer. He's he's of the same mold as Pastor Corey's father. Same mold, same handshake too. <laughs> you know? And you know, I, I um, she's with the Lord now. But I heard about Chelsea's grandmother. You know, I went to the funeral and I heard about her life. And as I sat there and listened about Chelsea's grandmother's life, I thought to myself, man, if this woman were alive during Jesus' time, we'd be reading about her in our scriptures. Just amazing women. But see, they're, they're, I don't know how many generations there are believers, but, you know, they're not like me. They're not like some of you. Some of you are the first generation believer in your family. I, I am, you know, and, you know, that's, that's, that's a different thing because Christianity's kind of weird to me. You know, all this talk about love. Man, no one ever told me they loved me when I was growing up. You know, I hardly got a hug, but I know I was loved. You know, we talk about, about doing this and doing that and not doing this and not doing that. And if you do this, it's just, it's, you know, the Lord's going to be pleased. And I'm thinking, whoa, whoa, you know, that's also foreign. But, but the neat thing about this is that, is that I really had to change. When you're born in it, you know, it's just natural. And God bless you because you people who were born in the faith and you have, have parents that are believers and grandparents and believers and great-grandparents that are believers, I mean, when you wake up in the morning, you just know what to do. I mean, dumb people like me, we wake up in the morning and say, okay, what am I going to do, you know? And when it comes to Christianity, it's like learning a new life. And, and so the bottom line of what Paul is talking about here He goes on and says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, for this reason, for I have heard about your faith. See, how do people hear about your faith? How does anyone know that you're a Christian? How do the people you work with know you're a Christian? How does your family know you're a Christian? How does your neighborhood know you're a Christian? See, Paul's saying, hey, Ephesians, man, I'm hearing some good stuff about you guys. I'm hearing some good stuff about you guys. And then you can't help but thinking, well, what are you hearing about, Paul? You know what they're hearing? he's hearing about? He's hearing about a change. He's hearing about that in these Ephesians, the people around them are seeing something different that they've never seen before. These are first-generation Christians. You know that, right? These Ephesians, he's writing to first-generation Christians, and the world around them had never seen that before, what God can do in the life of a person. James wrote, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and well fed, but does nothing. What good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. It's lifeless. It's in the ground. No one sees it. See, whether you've been a Christian and you're the fourth generation Christian in your family or you are the very first generation Christian in your family, it doesn't matter. It's the same. We're on the same level playing field. The only way the world sees our faith is when we live it. And a lot of times what we live is going to look different than what everyone else around us is living who don't know the Lord. Paul says, I heard about your faith and your love for all the saints. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a different thing there now. All of a sudden, Paul's saying, you know, not only have I heard great things about you in your world, but I've heard some really great things about you and how you guys are connected, how you guys are relating to one another, how you guys stick up for one another is great. It's great. It, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about the body of Christ. You know, the more that you get into God, the more you get into God, the more you're going to be pulling away a little bit from the world. Not so much that you're not going to connect with them, but you're not going to have as much in common with them. I went on a, uh, there's there's a saying, and if they go back and show this, I passed it up. I heard this neat saying. Uh, It says, to enter, to enter the kingdom is the easiest thing thing of all. And that is, it's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift, right? You know, Jesus did it all on the cross. God just says, believe, man, believe. And you got it. Then boom, all this incredible stuff happens in you. So so to enter the kingdom is the easiest thing of all, but to let the kingdom enter me is the most difficult. And what does that mean? That means for the kingdom or the the God to just take me over, to, to take over me, who I am. And when God takes over us, then the world will see a different person because you are inside. And it doesn't happen like that for most people. It's a gradual process, but man, you got to want it. you got to want your world to see Christ in you. It's a choice, right? It's a choice. Take, for example, what's going on? What happened yesterday? You guys watching the news? thousands, we can say hundreds of thousands of people marching, protesting, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., New York, Chicago. Man, they're going all, they carrying their placards, you are shouting and screaming. You know, when you look at that, you say, yeah, God bless America. That's the freedom we have. It is, I, I think it's wonderful. You know, you hate to see the violence. You hate to see the cars burning. Uh-uh, none of that. But that freedom we have to do that is That's who we are, right? That's how America, we should have that freedom to be able to to voice ourselves. But think about this as a Christian. See, as a Christian, this man, President Trump, think about it. Up to this point, he's probably insulted enough people to last for three terms. But he is your president. And what does the Bible say? Submit under the government authorities that God has placed you under. Why? Because that person isn't there by accident. Think about this. Think about, the, think about how when we look at world history, we look at the Bible and you think of world history and how, God has done things in world history to set things up, and a tiny example is what has He done around Israel. Think of what God did in regards to using the Syrians and the ancient Babylonians in regards to Israel. Think of how God used Egypt in regards to forming the family of Israel. Think of how Rome was involved in the crucifixion of Christ and the and the disbursement of the gospel. Think about how God has set things up in world history just for this little country, Israel. Now, you don't think God has a plan? Sure he does. He has a plan. If you don't think God has a plan, then your, your world is in chaos. It is, it is spinning out of control. But if you do believe that God has a plan, then you cannot avoid the idea or the conviction that God is not going to allow some random billionaire to step in the presidency that he doesn't want there. Right? So let's find out why. And, and you know what's the weird thing about, about Christianity, you know, and the way God works? You know, let's face it. When we get to heaven, there's a lot of questions we're going to have. God, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did you allow that? I think that's going to be the same thing with, with, this, with this government. We're going to say, oh my gosh, why is this happening? Why is that happening? Why did God allow that? But you know, Sometimes when you, look at, when you look at Old Testament, you look at how God has worked in the world, there's sometimes God puts in rulership a, a person or a power that changes something radically. And it may not even be something that the people wanted, but you see how that's connected with the, with the next leadership or God's purpose and will in the future. We just don't know. But the bottom line, this is what Christians have over everyone else in the the whole world, is that we have a trust in God. See, the ones that are out there protesting, the ones out there screaming, God bless them, man, That's freedom, do it! You you want to do it? Do it! But realize, why are they doing it? Because 100% of their trust is in the man. For Christianity, our trust is in God. And we're saying, God, boy, okay, God, you're going to do it. I trust you. We'll go forward with it. And then let's just see what you do. Okay. See, that is one of the things that's different. That's one of the things that's different when we think of the world, and we think of the spirit. That's why there's such a thing as having a peace in the midst of chaos. And that's one of the things Paul is saying here. He's saying, you know what, Ephesians, I have seen in you something, or I hear about you, that that the world hasn't seen before. And he's saying what? For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving faith Thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Let's go on to 17. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. You notice the word spirit is capitalized. So it isn't like a rah-rah spirit, let's go whoever. The spirit is the Holy Spirit. Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit is going to give them wisdom. He's going to give them revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is receiving knowledge. In other words, that as you grow as a Christian, that's why we have Bible studies. That's why you, we do things like preaching, and and, 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 and you know, you have your Bible at home, and and read things, you know, and and God speaks to us in so many different ways. He'll speak to you in nature. He'll speak to you through people. He'll speak to you through uh, evangelists on TV. He'll speak to you through the Word, and that Word is the primary way. He'll speak to you in your prayer time, but it's receiving from the Lord, okay? Well, what are you supposed to do with it? Well, that's where the wisdom comes in. Wisdom has to do with knowing the best way to use the knowledge that you receive. Now what is Paul saying? Why are these two things important to you at all? The reason why is Paul saying the most important thing you can do as a Christian is not to increase your, your memorization of Scripture. It's not to lengthen your prayer time. It's not to share with the grocery man you know about Jesus Christ. The most important thing is for you to know God better. Because when that happens, everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. You know, and I'm not talking about intellectual knowledge. We're talking about knowing like you know the most loved person that you have in your life. You know that person. You know, I had an experience. Um, a lot of you know, I was a missionary out down in Brazil. Uh, when I arrived to Brazil, the president of the mission that I joined down there, uh, it was an international mission, and the president at that time was this man named Carl Berger. He was uh, uh, from Germany. He's an older guy. big. you know matter of fact, he reminds me of, of Pastor Cory's father just. Like that, you know, and, and he was a really serious guy, and he was a deeply spiritual guy, and he was kind of a scary guy, okay? And so here I am fairly new. I, I just went through language school, and they're about to send me out to my first assignment, and uh, uh, Carl comes up to me and says, would you like to go on on, with a, on a trip with me? And see, this man was a legend. Why was he a legend? Because he spent 30 years in the deepest part of the Amazon jungle, living amongst a tribe called the Kayapó, and they were the most warlike tribe in all of Brazil. He was the first person to ever do that, and his work was to share Jesus with them. He went through; he was working on translation, and just he was just an amazing man. And so I jumped at it. I said, "Sure, I'd, I'd love to." So we get on a boat, and we're traveling. The boat goes ba, 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 and we we're traveling for 10 hours. And then we, we we'd go to shore, and we go into a shack and hang our hammocks. Then we jump in the boat for another 10 hours, pa and we go deeper, deeper, deeper into the jungle, okay? But every night when we stopped, going there and coming back, he'd say, hey, Rick, come on over here. And we'd study a Bible passage together, and then we'd pray together. And I had listened to this man's prayers. And I said, oh my goodness, you know. And, and so I had all this time with this, this man who I had really no relationship with at all. I respected him, I heard about him, but I didn't really know him. When I got back, when I got back, that legend became a friend. And see, that's what God wants, Whatever your relationship with God is, God wants you to have that friend relationship. Not just some religious figure, but a personal friend position. I mean, all through the Bible it says that. Why do you think God, the creator of the universe, chose to call himself your father? Because that's the kind of relationship He wants. He could have chosen anything. He said, You can call me Boulder, or you can call me, you know, Lexus. You can call me anything. But he said, No, I want you to call me Father. Because that's how our relationship should be. So Paul is saying, You know, all these things, he ends up by saying, that the Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, why? So that you may know him better. That's the key. And Paul saw such great things with the Ephesians that he just ends up that way, and he's saying basically to him, "You're on the right path. I've heard great things, and I give thanks." And, may, and if he knew us, I, I hope that he'd say that to us too. Let's pray, Father, as we um, go forward. Father, I pray that you, that Lord, that uh, that you would you would help us uh, get on the right path if we're not on it, and Father, you encourage us if we are, and Father, uh, help us understand the importance of knowing you in a deeper way, in Jesus' name. Amen.